There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kramitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg Kraminski and Colin Andrews. And Greg, this is the final week of our Health and Wealth miniseries. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun this last few weeks. It has. The miniseries we designed is a lead up to our webinar on health and wealth that we're hosting on June 24th. And just as a reminder to those listeners, we'll have Dr. Kevin Fonseca back with us, a clinical virologist with Alberta Health Services. And he's going to give us an update on all things COVID. And we're going to get sick and tired of talking about COVID pretty soon, aren't we, Greg? Well, after 16 months, I think there's other things going on in the world we can talk about. That's right. Last week, we interviewed Charlene Valentin and talked about habits and goal setting and goal achieving and what gets in the way of those pesky goals. But before we get into today's conversation, I actually wanted to say a big thank you to Paige Hilton from our team. Paige has done a great job sourcing some great guests for the Free Lunch Podcast, specific to this health and wealth miniseries, but also other episodes that we've done. And she's been the person behind the scenes just really putting it all together. And after 56 episodes, Greg, I think she has it figured she's out. doing a great job, you bet. But today, let's talk about today. Jen Anderson is joining us today. Jen is going to talk with us about how to stop being a perfectionist. I know that, Greg, you are perfect in every way. I know. I tell my wife that, but she doesn't agree. <laughs> but Jen is going to break that myth. So now before all the listeners start to ask again, what the heck does this have to do with investing? Well, Greg, the answer is lots, right? For sure. Sorry, I just got interrupted there with a call on my phone, which is interesting when you're in the middle of recording. So we'll just carry on with that. <laughs> so anyways, that wasn't planned. I guess not a perfect strategy executed there, was it, Greg? Well, we'll work on that for next time. That's right. So anyways, let's get into it. Let's see where this conversation takes us. And Jen Anderson, welcome to the Free Lunch Podcast. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, listen, Jen, just to get started, like, tell us your story. How did you end up where you are today and what led you to what we're going to be talking about today? It all just kind of happened is the thing. <laughs> I used to work in technology. I actually have a degree in fiction writing. So of course I worked in technology. And I also, I suffer from migraines and nothing worked. I've had them for decades. And I started to suspect there was something underneath that was keeping all the medication from working and helping. and mind-body health proved to be part of the solution. And one of the problems is that if you're a perfectionist and a people pleaser, your brain will be very happy to give you pain when you can't say no and you really should. If you have this resentment building up, your brain will do that to you. And then the neural pathways build up. And it's not the only reason why you could have a mind-body problem. All I found were articles that said, yeah, you should stop that. It's really unhealthy. Don't do that. And very little advice on how to do it. And as a perfectionist, of course, I had to find the perfect way to give up perfectionism. So for me, I actually started making some collages. For some reason, I feel very bad that I'm not a better artist. I can't draw better, even though if I practice, I get better. But it drives me crazy that I'm not better now. Collages, I didn't care. I just ripped things out of magazines, got out my glue stick. It was fine. And doing something that you're not good at and you don't care that you're not good at helps a lot. 
But one big thing that keeps bothering me and bothers other people is my to-do list. As perfectionists, we always put too much on our list and then beat ourselves up for not getting it all done. So I actually designed an app, crowdfunding campaign coming eventually, that is a to-do app with a perfectionist point of view. And building for that, building from that, there's a Facebook group and I did a video workshop recently. I'll probably do some more workshops. Perfectionism is just really bothering us all very badly. If you are a true perfectionist, it's an albatross around your neck. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So I think you touched on it a little bit already, but what exactly is perfectionism and what is wrong with it? What can we do about it? Perfectionism is trying to reach impossible standards is the thing. There's a big difference between perfectionism and aspiring for excellence because there is no such thing as good enough. My inner perfectionist cannot tell the difference between 99% good and 9% good. It's a lot of all or nothing thinking. And it also has to do with, excellence has to do with the quality of your work. Perfectionism has to do with the quality of you as a person and your worthiness as a person. Either I'm perfect or I'm garbage. And people lose sleep over this, that their career hasn't gone exactly the way they wanted it to do. Their housekeeping isn't up to some ridiculous standards in their head, even though they're all working 60 hours a week or what have you. If you have psychological distress over how much you do and how well you do it, that's perfectionism and that's toxic. Gotcha. That plays into investing, right, Greg? I mean, people are looking for the perfect outcome in their investment world, but I don't know, stuff gets in the way. It's like planning for uncertainty a little bit. I want to talk about your to-do list thing that you mentioned. To-do lists are something that I've used, well, forever, but what I've found is that you're right. I put too many things down on my to-do list. It might have 50 items and there's no way I can get through those 50 items. And so then just in reading it, you read through it and you actually don't do any of them because you're so overwhelmed. Is that kind of what your experience has been? Oh, absolutely. That is a huge part of the problem. And with the video workshop I did, I actually suggested doing several different lists. You've got your big picture list of everything that you want to get to at some point. And then your little picture list, all the things that you do every day and don't even think about it. Making dinner, stopping by at the store, all these things that take up time that when you make your daily to-do list, you look at it and think, oh, yeah, no, I got some free time. No, no, no. It's all on the little picture list. You have to consider all those things as well. And there's not only too much on our list, there's also not enough in some ways. Should people's to-do lists be longer? Should they be more inclusive of the little things? How do you create a to-do list that you can feel good about at the end of the day or the week or whatever is your schedule? I would recommend looking at your little picture list and either refer to that while you're making your daily list and keeping it as short as is actually reasonable. Or actually put some of the little picture list items on your daily list. Write it down, scan it in, print it out, and have every day I need to do these tasks. I have to do this thing for this client, and I have to do one, two, and three, and these make lunch and dinner prep or whatever. And if it's on the list, then I can see, okay, I can work around that. Some people will argue, keep your list short. Put three things on it, maximum. But that inner perfectionist nags going, oh, no, no, that's not enough. Even if I do everything on that list now, I still feel like I wasn't trying enough. I think it's a matter of adjusting, holding on to your list for a couple of weeks and figuring out what you did and what you didn't do and exactly where your reach is exceeding your grasp. Who is subject to 
trying to be a perfectionist? Like, do you find it in one area? Is it more men than women or vice versa? Is it business people or who's most at risk? Gifted students. If you did well in school, then even in school and going throughout your life, you are holding yourself up to some ridiculous standards. Even if you weren't that competitive in school, you're still used to being top of the class. The valedictorian at my high school never had to put in any effort. Once he got to college and actually had to put in an effort, he turned into a slacker because he just, oh no, I can't be top of the class. So I can't be 10th in a class of 200. Oh no. So that is definitely a problem. It does tend in general to be more towards women as well, just because there's always someone to tell us that we're doing something wrong and they never agree with each other. Parenting, among other things. Men get to be shielded from that a little bit. Interesting. A lot of what we've talked about in our health and wealth series has been sort of how stress and anxiety can affect your health. And certainly we run into stress and anxiety all the time in the investing world where people can create a lot of stress for themselves. What are the health aspects or health effects of being a perfectionist? Pretty much anything that stress causes. It could be migraines, like it could be IBS, it could be cardiac and heart issues or blood pressure problems. It's all this pressure on yourself. It's like being in an abusive relationship with yourself. (laughs) From what I hear from a lot of people who have escaped abusive relationships, it's, yes, I could never please them. I could never be good enough no matter what I did. And if we went shopping together, I picked the right thing. They would still take it out of the cart and bitch at me for not buying the cheaper thing instead. It's a sucker's bet perfectionism, just like trying to please an abuser. And it is like having a bully following you around in your brain. I'd go into my kitchen every single time and think it's not clean enough. And I used to have my mom and my aunt's voices in my head (laughs) nagging me about it. And even they, if they were actually there, would not be that way about it. (laughs) No, they'd wait till you left the room, then they'd be judgy. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of fascinating, actually, because of last week's guest, we were talking about telling stories. We create stories in our own mind. We make up stories. And those stories, kind of what we do to ourselves is quite remarkable. If you make up stories about yourself, and here it's the same thing. It's making up a story about your ability to get things done or to achieve that standard of excellence that you think you need to achieve. and. It's quite remarkable. But as you say, in the end, it all comes down to what it does to your physical well-being. Fascinating. It also affects your productivity is the thing. Perfectionists think we're not doing enough, but then we we spend time and energy beating ourselves up and we're afraid to start anything unless we have the perfect experience. I have to read these three books before I can start writing a novel for fun. I have to learn everything I can about this one company before I buy into their mutual fund instead of making just a reasonable amount of research. And people are afraid to make a change. They're afraid to show their work to other people. They're afraid to launch their business because they're afraid of failure and of success, but what it's not perfect. And so it just holds us back in every part of our life. And there's a writing coach named Linda Formicelli who said that most people can't tell the difference between your A plus work and your B plus work. That's life-changing because that actually does help my earning potential because in my other job, I'm a freelance writer. And so if I'm going to torture myself for spending three times as long to get something just a little bit better, that doesn't really make a difference. It's an issue. You know what I hear when I was listening to you there is as perfectionists maybe have a hard time with trust 
Is that a fair statement? Like we work in a trusted relationship with clients where we hope that they trust that we're making good decisions on their behalf and that's the goal. But is trust an issue when you're a perfectionist? I would think so, especially with someone you're doing business with because you go on instinct and then think, oh no, but that one time that I trusted someone on instinct and I really got a good impression out of them, it didn't work out. So therefore I have no reason to trust my instinct this time. So it is difficult. There's this hesitation. There's, okay, this financial advisor, are they good? He seems to know what he's talking about. She seems helpful, but it's difficult. You need the perfect person to help you. Wait, 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 wait. The perfectionist needs the perfect person. How is that accomplished? It isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much you just get overwhelmed, push yourself into a corner. And in some cases, you just have to make a decision. You just have to make an allocation for your 401k, for example. Other cases, yeah, no, you just end up like five years to retirement (laughs) thinking, oh, yeah, no, I haven't been managing this money properly Uh at all. Oops. What is an accomplished? An accomplished is someone who accomplishes so much more than they give themselves credit for. And it is also the list of their accomplishments. And so they differ from a perfectionist how? They are. That's the thing. It's a perfectionist who is recovering. I see. Someone who's starting to realize that they're doing enough. So what is the solution then? Like, how do you do it? How do you go from being a perfectionist to an accomplished? There are a few different ways. Everyone's brain works differently and everyone has a different cause. Perfectionism is an excellent defense mechanism. So it may require some therapy to figure out what's causing this fear and this anxiety that perfectionism is helping you with. In other cases, it could just be a habit and just typical fear of rejection, fear of failure. So one thing I suggest is find something that you're no good at and you don't care. Okay. And okay. of course, everyone's <laughs> mind goes straight to, oh, I have to clean my kitchen better. Whatever bothers me the most, I have to get good at. No, 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 no. Started something stupid, like making collages. For me, it was just, yeah, whatever. For other people, that would be too much pressure for them. It varies. Do something that you know you're going to be bad at. I went to a Handel's Messiah sing-along a couple of years ago in the before times. And I was in the chorus in college. I sang Handel's Messiah. And yeah, no, that was the most humbling experience of my life. I did not remember some of it. I could not hit all those notes anymore. And it was because I went in there knowing that I was not going to be perfect. It was a delightful experience. It could could have been murder, could have been absolutely miserable. Another way that I suggest is you take that voice in your head and you change the voice. You make it sound like someone who you don't like, who doesn't like you and you don't care. Instead of your mom, your aunt, yourself. We value our own opinions, but someone whose opinion I don't value, if they're the one nagging me, it's a lot easier for me to mentally yell at them and tell them to go away. So that is helpful. Another exercise I've discovered is the reversed bucket list, where you make a list of things that you have accomplished in your life. Because so often we look at, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I still want to do. and I haven't done it yet. But if you make a list of what you've actually done over your life, I've traveled here, I've done this. It's amazing when you realize these are all these things that I dreamed of doing at one point that other people at my age and stage of life would still wish that they were doing that. So it's kind of gratitude. It's kind of more than that. It's realizing that you should be patting yourself on the back. Striving for more is great, but just stepping back and realizing that you've done that. And I think with the to-do lists and the tax management, I think it's something that we keep with us all day long. So changing your approach to that can be very helpful because it just reinforces 
I had a life coach, Jen, a while back, and we talked about to-do lists and her recommendation was to have a done list. So write down the things, as you mentioned, write down the things that you just finished that day versus the things that you need to do the next. Now, my question on that would be, how does that relate to multitasking? People talk about multitasking as inefficient and some people think it's efficient. As a perfectionist, does multitasking work? Not necessarily. It depends. I feel that if I'm watching a video or a Facebook live from an expert, I should actually be paying attention to it. And then of course, then they start on with their five minutes of talking about how's the sound? Am I coming through? And all this fluff, but I can't go off and do something else because (laughs) eventually they're going to start talking about something good, but it can help you to focus, to do it all or to play a mindless video game, like the Tetris style things to help you focus. But multitasking, we usually mess up both things. It's something that we're tempted to do as perfectionists because we want to be as productive as possible, but then we just get frustrated because it doesn't work. Interesting. So in our business and when we're investing, people can look for perfection. As Colin mentioned earlier, they look for certainty in a world that is absolutely uncertain. And particularly as we're talking about investing, it's all about probabilities. There's no guarantee of what's going to happen next year or or tomorrow or tomorrow. And so what advice do you have for people that are looking for that certainty in a very uncertain environment? Taking a very grim outlook on life may actually be helpful. Okay. <laughs> the thing is that we think that we can avoid risk in everything, in finances, in our career, in our health, if we're just controlling enough, if we just know enough. And it's not just perfectionists who do that. You hear someone has lung cancer. Oh, did they smoke? Well, not necessarily. Everyone wants to hear, oh, something bad happened to that person. What did they do that I cannot do so that it will never happen to me? That's not how it goes. We are living in an uncertain universe, which is absolutely terrifying, but it's also kind of freeing to realize that we can't control everything and we can mitigate, we can do our best. If we can't tolerate high risk in our investments, then we should go for moderate risk instead of tiny risk and balance out, have a little bit in each level of risk. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's diversification. It's just basic advice that we have for everything. Yeah, you're using our terminology now. Diversify your (laughs) perfectionist ways, right? But I got to comment on that. So in our world, as Greg mentioned, the world of finance is very complex. And I don't think enough people give it enough credit for how complex it is. As you say, people are looking for certainty in something that is forever uncertain. But there's also this inner desire of many to complexify things. So instead of simplifying them by diversifying, in your example, they like to take things that could be more simple and make them more complex. Is that an issue with perfectionists? Is that a self-esteem thing? Where do you think that stems from? I think it might actually come from high self-esteem in some ways. In the tech world, we have a type of programmer we call cowboys. And cowboys think they know better than everyone else. Everyone else. So standard ways of doing things are not good enough for them and in some ways unnecessary for them. So they'll set up things in ways that you can't understand it and make things more difficult than they need to be. And it's because they think they know better than the experts. And they have a certain amount of expertise, but they're exhausting because they're usually wrong. And there are reasons why there are standards. So I do think it's actually comes from a certain arrogance and ego. You don't want to be 
the sheep. I don't want to follow the advice of the experts. Well, yeah, but you guys know so much more about it than I do. It's your job. You're an expert at that. We don't all have to be experts at everything. You had mentioned you're working on an app. Tell us about the app you're working on. I used to do functional designer software. So of course, that is how I decide to solve any problem. There's going to be a crowdfunding campaign. Essentially, it's a to-do app that does not make you feel bad for not doing things. Every other app will, if you don't finish a task, they'll show it in red and change the status to overdue. But it was probably something you weren't going to get to in the first place if you're a perfectionist. Perfectionists need to forget some things, whereas all these apps are meant to make sure you don't forget them. So there's no overdue status. Nothing is in red. And I've introduced a couple of statuses that can actually make things a little bit easier for perfectionists. Skipped is one of them. Sometimes you just can't catch everything. And that's perfectly normal. We need to normalize that to ourselves. And delegated, we tend to forget that we can delegate things. And or when we consider it, we think, oh, no, no, only I can do it perfectly. Therefore, I can't. And postponed in an app, is, you don't really need that. You just change the date. It's delegated and skipped are a very big deal. If there's some tasks that maybe you want to do every day and you can't get to it every day, but you want it on your list every day, and then you can mark it skipped and not beat yourself up over not getting to it because skipping things is fine, but perfectionists don't realize that. And somewhere along there, I guess there must be a, whether an internal or an external way of prioritizing the to-do list. So you're skipping things that actually aren't going to cause a major problem. Like there must be some discretion as to, okay, well, this can be skipped effectively and this I better not skip because bad repercussions might happen. So I guess Absolutely. you have to be able to do some prioritization within that as well. Yes. Right on. Hey, so we never even mentioned that, I don't think we did, that Jen, you're joining us from Burbank, California. We were talking about it before we started recording. Where can listeners find you if they're interested in your services? They can go to the website accomplished.app. It's the word accomplished with a T instead of an H. They can look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Team Accomplished. And there is a Facebook group called Team Accomplished. And links to all that are on accomplished.app. And do you not let people join your group if they're not self-declared perfectionists? Why would they want to? (laughs) (laughs) If you want in, great. If you think you're there to get advice to deal with other people who are perfectionists, fine, great. If that shows to you that you are also a perfectionist, good. I'm not going to grab you and say, no, 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 you have a problem. But we're there looking for people to encourage each other. We don't want someone saying, oh, no, no, perfectionism is good. No, no, no. We're talking about different things though. Yes, this is like a support group in essence. Absolutely. We need this support because society tells us we're not good enough in certain aspects. We're telling ourselves that. And I trust my opinion more than I trust other people's. But if 10 other people are telling me something that I'm wrong to beat myself up, I'll give that some weight. I'll consider that. Any last few questions for Jen, Greg? No, I think you've sort of covered it and you've raised some great points. And again, as I say, I think I loved your discussing how you're bullying yourself. (laughs) It's uh, Because it is, people do that all the time, whether it's in their expectations for themselves or the stories they create about themselves. It's remarkable how you see that through so many different areas of living. So that's great. I appreciate your bringing that to us. Yeah, but Greg, you often have a saying that you've shared with me over the years, like, gosh, darn it, you're good enough and people like you or something like that. (laughs) I stole that from Saturday Night Live, I'm afraid. How does it uh, it go again? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Yeah, Yeah. there you (laughs) go. 
let's move on to the speed round. So again, Jen, this is just for fun, this section. You did all the hard work and this is just the dessert to our discussion <laughs> today. So you want to kick us off, Greg? Sure. What do you do for fun when you're not working or putting pressure on yourself to get things done? Working in my art journal, making art, making bad art. Okay. Making bad art, but not judging yourself for it. It's supposed to be bad. Then I could worry that it's not bad enough. But. And what about, are there any books you're reading right now? Yeah, I am reading Unlearn Your Pain by Howard Schubiner, which is one of the great books in Mind Body Health. It's a fantastic book. I am also listening to the audiobook of Valette by Charlotte Bronte, and it is her most annoying book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's tough going. And I'm also reading Anne McCaffrey's or Anne Caffrey's the first of her Dragon Riders of Pern books. Interesting. One of the classics, yeah. Quite a diverse grouping there. What about any shows you and your husband are watching or you watch or anything you binge? Let's see, last night we watched DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which we refer to as the bonkers show because it's a superhero show, but it is just bonkers. We just love it. <laughs> it just really leans into the weirdness. There's also a show on Apple TV called Mythic Quest. Oh, yeah. Oh. Which is about... a. Yeah, they're fantastic. I actually used to work at a gaming company. Oh. So, yeah, it's very interesting with that. And of course, the Muppets just hit the Disney Channel. So we've been watching an episode every day or so, working our way through that. And in our classic rewatches, we're doing Designing Women. Wow. Designing yeah. Women. That's yeah. a show I haven't heard of in a long time. Yeah. Especially during the lockdown, we have been watching like one episode of a classic every day. And we did the Mary Tyler Moore show which is so much more sexist than I remember. And yes. then we did Golden Girls, which they're so much meaner to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, they have no interest in continuity because there was no DVRs then. And with Designing Women, it's, yeah, they don't care about act breaks. You don't notice that watching one episode a week, but they'll just, in the end of a scene, it's like, okay, cut to commercial. It's like so weird. It's like, okay, it's jarring now that, you know, when you're watching them all at once. What about New Heart? Is that on the list? It may be. My husband has been lobbying for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, other than the Free Lunch Podcast, the most famous podcast released every Wednesday on all of the podcast providers, the one that you're on right now, any other podcasts that you listen to? Uh, Welcome to Night Vale, which is a fictional podcast. It is supposedly the community radio station of a town in the desert where time doesn't work right. It's just a very weird, wonderful place. They've been doing it for years, and I actually did go back to the first one and work my way through that one. Cool. That sounds really interesting. Can you tell me the name of that again? I'm going to make Night Vale? Welcome to Night Vale? Welcome to Night Vale. Night Vale. All right. Okay, we got a Canadian-specific question for you. Greg, you want this one? Sure. One of the 10 Canadian provinces is a province called Saskatchewan, where both Colin and I happen to be from. Can you spell Saskatchewan? S A S S K A W A. Oh, you're close. You're so close. It's very flat. There's no mountains. It is very flat. And you made it to five letters, which puts you in the leaderboard for all of the U.S. guests we've had on the show. So congratulations on that. Yeah, top decile for sure. The joke about Saskatchewan is that if your dog runs away, you can watch it run for four days or something like that. I can't remember exactly how that goes. But. One show we finished with Corner Gas, and that is a theme song. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> all right. Any last ones, Greg? No, I think we've covered it all. And thanks for being such a good sport, Jen, as well, on our speed round there. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. And hey, getting it wrong, I'm an example to other people who need to be inspired to be wrong. 
Exactly right. Well, listen, we really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and insights, and we'll make sure that people can be directed to your website and to your new app when that hits the shelf. So, so that was accomplist.app, A-P-P, yes. for anybody looking for you on the World Wide Web. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps up. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to give us a rating on your podcast provider and remember to join us tomorrow, June 24th, for our webinar on health and wealth. Until next time. All right. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kreminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2021.